up quick at about noon. And another week just rolling along here. We've made it all the way to a Thursday. Welcome into the podcast with Damian Barling here on the Be Heard podcast platform. I'm your host, Damian Barling, and I thank you so much uh, for tuning in. If you're new to the show, welcome. Uh, if you're a regular, I appreciate it. I think you know that by now. Plenty to talk about today. Unfortunately, we're going to start with De'Aaron Fox and the very frustrating and angering news out of Orlando. But I do want to mention uh, it is 5.57 as we record this right now, and I, I just feel the need to, to throw this out there. If you are on social media, particularly if you're on Twitter, you've probably seen over the last day or two cryptic tweets coming out of the media in Washington about a potential bombshell story involving the Washington football team that has absolutely nothing to do with a name change. Uh, a couple of stories or a couple of tweets as an example uh, J.P. Finley of NBC Sports Washington says, a real busy week, and it's not going to be about the name, and it's not all going to be pretty. This is in reference to an alleged story that's going to drop about the Washington football team. From what we had read, it was in, particularly, I said the Washington football team, most of the tweets have alluded to it has something to do with Dan Schneider, and it has something to do with management, and there's a lot of uh, other owners uh, of the team that are very, very frustrated about what's going on with the Washington football team. Um, Julie Donaldson of NBC Sports Washington tweeted, what's coming is disappointing and sad. Uh, Scott Abraham, uh, there is so much going on, than a there's so much more going on than a name change, and it's not good. Uh, I did not get specifics, but get ready, people. So a lot of cryptic tweets surrounding this, this story coming out of Washington. I've got the Washington Post open. I got the iPad by my side. And I have got uh, Twitter open as well. So if anything breaks while we're recording as it pertains to this Washington football team story or as it pertains to Dan Schneider, whatever it may be, uh, we'll bring it to you. But that might be one of those stories that becomes public shortly after uh, we post the show. So uh, just keep an eye out on that. It's, I, it, but also be aware. I remember a reporter telling me about a story, and I think there had been like hints to it. There had been leaks to it publicly. There have been insinuations that something was coming publicly about a basketball team, uh, about indiscretion, about Dallas Mavericks types indiscretions in a basketball team. And I remember after a few weeks, I went to, I was like, Hey, is this story coming out? And that person said to me, it, it's hung up with lawyers. It, it may never see the light of day. It's like, okay. All right. So, I, I guess we'll just wait and see whatever this story is with Washington or Dan Schneider or, you know, the upper management or upper echelon of that football team. But if it comes out while we're talking, of course, uh, we'll bring it to you. Uh, let's start with the frustrating, frustrating, frustrating news on De'Aaron Fox. Uh, De'Aaron Fox sprained his ankle yesterday. Uh, there's no, <laughs> there's no grade. Like we don't know if it's a, you know, Grade one, two, three, whatever it is. I'm sure Kings fans, you all remember that he missed 17 games this season after sustaining a grade three sprain on the very same ankle back in November. Uh, it took him time to regain his strength, and uh, he, you know, as we mentioned, he missed 17, to 17 games this year uh, with that ankle sprain. So, what this means, you know, he's going to be reevaluated in seven days. That feels or excuse me he's going to be reevaluated his left ankle is going to be reevaluated seven to ten days that feels really generous uh, it's 
pretty certain he's going to miss the first preseason game against the, or I'm sorry, he's going to miss the first scrimmage game against the Miami Heat. And I don't imagine he's going to play in any scrimmage game. And I'm not confident he's, I mean, seven to 10 days, if we went on the high end, remember, this isn't he's back in seven to 10 days. This is he's reevaluated in seven to 10 days. 10 days from now is four days from the start of the season, five days from the start of the King season. It is July 26th. So this sucks, man. Like, goodness gracious. Like, we, there were already starting to be concerns raised about, okay, okay, great. Buddy just got there. Jabari just got there. Okay, let's see. Let's 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 see what the roster is able to do. And then we learn. Okay, Rashawn Holmes crossed the gun line. He's basically grounded, you know, for ten days. And so he he's he's wilding out in his room trying to keep himself from going crazy, but he's not practicing. And then we learn that Harrison Barnes isn't even in Orlando because he's recovering from from uh, a positive COVID nineteen test. And you know, we know that Alex Lynn has been unable to clear protocol so far. This is, this is starting to be a problem because now you've got, you've got a practice taking place today with the Sacramento Kings that doesn't involve Harrison Barnes, who's a starter. It doesn't involve De'Aaron Fox, who's a starter. It doesn't involve Rashawn Holmes, who is a starter. Okay, this is, this is, become, this is problematic. It was problematic yesterday before De'Aaron got hurt because we started to realize, okay, Harrison's not around, Rashawn's not around. You know, Buddy's just getting there. He's working his way into the rhythm. We don't really even know what Jabari Parker is as a member of the Sacramento Kings yet, and it's just like now De'Aaron is gone, and it's like you've got to be kidding me. Maybe this is why the Ringer ignored us for for three months. They they knew that the team was snake bitten. I mean, you God, it, is is there a more is there a more fitting way for this restart to go? I mean, think back to how the season started. You know, that embarrassing loss to Washington, and then when the Kings lose Marvin Bagley. They lose Marvin Bagley in that game, and he doesn't play for, I, I don't even freaking remember. He's, he's missed so many stretches of time. I can't remember how long that first one was. And then, so, 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 so there's no Bagley, and then now Marvin's gone. Or, or now De'Aaron is gone. So you got Bagley gone, you got De'Aaron gone. And then Rashawn Holmes emerges as a superstar, and then his shoulder. Lose Rashawn Holmes. It's like, oh, dude. What is happening right now? And here we are again. Rashawn Holmes not being able to practice because he's grounded. Harrison Barnes recovering from COVID-19. Still here, I think, in Sacramento. And De'Aaron spraining the same ankle you know, that he sprained uh, earlier this season. And now if you're Luke Walton, shoot, you might, you might even be gun-shy at this point if you're Luke Walton. You might be gun-shy in the sense of, what do we do during practice? Like I, I, how do, how do I push these guys during practice? Like we seem to be, you know, almost fragile at this point. We've got you know Rashawn Holmes doing silly stuff. Now we got De'Aaron hurt. This 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 is tough. I I don't know. You know, I if you give me the entire Kings roster, and let's say they're practicing through the bulk of this isolated training camp or whatever whatever we're calling this time period that we're in in NBA history. And you put them up against the Pelicans and you put them up against the Blazers and you put them up against the Phoenix Suns and the San Antonio Spurs and you put them up against all of those guys, I, I'm okay with the Kings in an eight-game stretch. 
I mean, we were having discussions or we started to have discussions on the text line and on Twitter, and it was going to be a focal point of both this show and the Sacramento Kings podcast that we're going to do next is maybe this team should run. Like, like I'm, I'm talking Dave Yeager's final year in Sacramento run. I'm talking fastest team in the league. I'm talking about De'Aaron, De'Aaron Fox getting up and down the floor and D-Wade going, man, this is one of the fastest teams I've ever seen. Getting responses from guys like Eric Spolster and Greg Popovich. I'm talking about run like that. It's an eight-game sprint. It's an all-out sprint to the finish line. Well, you know you could do it. You've done it. Perhaps you could do that. You know, if, if, if you spend your practices getting up and down the floor, Teams wouldn't be maybe maybe teams wouldn't be prepared for that. Everybody's going to be trying to find their legs. Of course, the Sacramento Kings are involved in that. Of course, they're going to be finding their legs as well. But why not give it a shot? And now, like if you if you don't have De'Aaron, you can't. It's as simple as that. De'Aaron is the X factor when it comes to running. Because for my money, he's the fastest player in the league, and he that's that's the unique that's the unique characteristic that he has. His speed there there are there there's few there are few like him. He can change the game with his speed and his speed alone. He's got great hands. He's, he's got good vision. But his speed can frustrate a defense. If you don't have De'Aaron, you can't do it. It doesn't work if Buddy has the ball, ball in his hands. You don't want Buddy with the ball in his hands. It doesn't work with Bogey. You can run offenses with Bogey. I don't think you can run it with Buddy. But you can run an offense through Bogey. Like, Bogey could be the point guard. That's fine. That's not a big deal. But you can't. You can't run with Bogey as the point guard. You have to run with De'Aaron as the point guard because even if De'Aaron is, is, is getting his wind, even if he's getting subbed out, he still set the pace. If De'Aaron's not there to set the pace, it doesn't work. And maybe, and, and that, was just a, that, that was just an idea, whether, you know, from, from me, Kings fans, people talking about how the, the Kings could potentially make some noise here in this eight-game stretch. It was just an idea. No one said that, that Luke was going to do it. No one said that this was going to be part of the game plan. But now it certainly can't be part of the game plan because you don't have the fastest guy in the NBA out there on the floor, at least not for the seven to, next seven to ten days. And again, that feels like an awfully generous time frame. But this is, you know, this is kind of the world we're living in. Is There wasn't Jason Jones there who is normally on top of this stuff to tweet about a, oh, De'Aaron just went down at practice because – Jason Jones isn't at practice. You know what I mean? James Hamm isn't at practice. None of the guys that we're used to getting this information from, no one's able to say how De'Aaron, De'Aaron was uh, helped off the floor. Uh, De'Aaron left the floor under his own power. Uh, De'Aaron was limping a little bit. De'Aaron was limping really bad. De'Aaron was in a boot. De'Aaron was on crutches. We don't know any of that stuff. You know what? In a, in a game, if it were to happen in a game, we would... You know, we would have video footage of them leaving the facility. Uh, we would, you know, see them approach the podium. We would be able to ask Luke Walton about it. All of these different things would be able to happen. None of that stuff can happen right now. So the seven to ten days, it's it's a nice time frame. We just don't know if it's if it's legit or if it's just to keep people from pulling their hair out or a combination of both. But again, he missed 17 games spraining the same ankle. We all know there are, are, are different severities as it pertains to, uh, to ankle sprains. So just another, man, just another freaking kick in the teeth for Kings fans. And uh, we'll wait this out and we'll see what happens. I wouldn't expect to see, uh, not even I wouldn't expect, De'Aaron will not be playing in the first 
uh, in the first restart game or in the first scrimmage game, I should say, against the Miami Heat on the 22nd. What happens after that will depend on how the reevaluation goes. And again, we try to stress this as much as possible. He will be reevaluated in seven to 10 days. That does, that does not mean he will be back in seven to 10 days. That doesn't mean that they expect him to return in seven to 10 days. That means the doctor is going to have him ice his ankle, uh, elevate his ankle. Uh, that's going to mean that doctor has him potentially walking around in a boot or, or whatever type of rehab, if any. And I don't think that you do any for an ankle sprain. I think you wait. His ankle's probably swollen, and you're waiting for the swelling to go down. And then you reevaluate it and see where he's at in seven to ten days. So this sucks. Probably just end the show there. But we won't. We'll transition because we've got a lot of other stuff to talk about. Uh, any updates that come in on De'Aaron, of course, you know, we'll keep you updated here on this podcast, Sacramento Kings podcast as well. J Street Vibes with the Jason Jones that I just mentioned and Kenny Carraway here on the Be Herc podcast platform. Uh, they got a new episode that just went up today as well. So when you wrap up with the show here, uh, make sure you check out J Street Vibes. And if you could, please, if you could, J Street Vibes, if you could rate and review the show. I, ho- I hope you enjoy it. I think you will. Uh, Jason Jones has really found a nice little comfort level when it comes to uh, working on his, you know, podcast and 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 his audible delivery. I've always been a very talented writer, uh, but has really found his voice when it comes to uh, this digital media content. So uh, go check him out, J Street Vibes, uh, the Essential Sacramento Kings podcast, available here on the Be Heard podcast platform. If you just search Be Heard. Uh, in the Apple Podcast app or Radio.com or Spotify, any app, if you just search Be Heard, uh, all five of our podcasts will become available for you. I just dropped a new episode of Relive yesterday uh, featuring the introduction of Kane, the story of Shawn Michaels in 1997, the story of The Undertaker in 1997. It was quite a year uh, in the WWF, so you could go check that out as well. But whatever, if you J Street Vibes, uh, Deuce and Moe, and the Dope Ones podcast, uh, if you could rate and review those shows after you listen to them, I really think you're going to dig them. I'm positive you're going to dig them. They wouldn't be a part of the Be Heard podcast platform if I didn't know for a fact that you weren't going to dig them. Uh, so go check those out uh, when we wrap up here today. And go to thedopeones.com. Use the promo code 720, S-E-V-E-N-2-0, 720, to get 20% off of your order. Whether you're ordering from the podcast collection uh, that has you know more than a podcast T-shirts on it, or you're ordering from the other wide variety of collections that he has there, uh, hoodies, T-shirts, sweats, the whole deal, thedopeones.com. Go check that out. Let's go to the NFL. Lots of NFL news yesterday, surprisingly. Uh, well, not so surprisingly. Let's start with, uh, the. it's kind of a follow-up to us talking about the, the, the deadline for franchise tag zeal. Derrick Henry, Tennessee Titans, uh, he reached an agreement on a four-year, $50 million contract, <laughs> wink, wink, that, that includes $25.5 million uh, in guarantees. Uh, my guess is four-year, $50 million is what is announced, $25.5 million guarantees. That probably means it's a two-year deal. Probably means that it's two years. He'll get a large uh, upfront bonus uh, at signing. So the moment that the ink hits the paper, uh, he'll probably get a large portion of that $25.5 million, and then uh, he'll have some guaranteed money spread out over the next two seasons, and then the Tennessee Titans will be able to get out of that, and Derrick Henry will be a free agent again. Uh, his contract averages out to 12.5 per year. That makes him the NFL's fifth highest paid running back, trailing only Christian McCaffrey, Ezekiel Elliott, 
Le'Veon Bell, and David Johnson. Which, look at the list I just gave you. Christian McCaffrey and Ezekiel Elliott. Okay, perfect. 16 million per, 15 million per. Cool. Then you got Le'Veon Bell and David Johnson. Those are the two contracts. Those are the reasons why it's so difficult to get running backs long-term money. Le'Veon Bell got some money from the Jets. Didn't work. Didn't work at all. David Johnson has had exactly one great season. Got paid for it, as he should. Get that money. Get that money. Take advantage, man. Take advantage. But that's why. Le'Veon Bell, David Johnson. That is why long-term, that's why uh, running backs are constantly fighting for their money is because they get it, and then suddenly they're hit by the unable to perform in the same way that they did before they signed the contract ferry. They just sprinkle dust all over them, and you're unable to perform in the same way dust. And that dust is undefeated. Absolutely undefeated. Derrick Henry was such a monster last year. Derrick Henry was a big, nasty physical back that was a joy to watch. And I've been trying to... I don't know that there's a comp to him. There's one name that kept coming to mind watching him last year, and I know this is a this is an old-school name. This is a late 80s, early 90s name, but Christian Okoye is big and physical. The Nigerian nightmare is big and physical as that dude was. For the Kansas City Chiefs, I think the back I think the the backcourt. I think the backfield was Christian Okoye and a, and, a, and a running back named Barry Word. And I remember them so well because my favorite running back, as I've documented many times, my, my favorite athlete in that era was Bo Jackson. And I didn't miss a Los Angeles Raider game because I wanted to see everything Bo Jackson did. You know, with Kansas City being in the division, I got to see Christian Okoye and Barry Word a lot. But Christian Okoye was big nasty and physical that's what Derrick Henry was he was big he was nasty he was physical he invited contact he is it's rare that you invite contact the way that he does and you can still outrun somebody and I think it's often forgotten that Derrick Henry run a Heisman trophy you know because of the kind of the 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 steps he took in his career it's like well what is exactly going to be his role in the NFL given it at Alabama they pretty much gave the ball to him every time you know he won the Heisman Trophy on the strength of touching the ball damn near every time Alabama had it and it became glaringly clear like oh here's what he could do in the NFL he was just phenomenal last season and a major major reason for the Tennessee Titans success and obviously a smart move for the Titans to lock him up for the foreseeable future um, so the, 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 again, trade deadlines passed. Dak Prescott did not sign a deal and to everything that we heard. And we talked about this yesterday. There was no meeting scheduled between Dak Prescott and his team in Dallas. No meeting took place. It was just, they're just, they're content. I guess all parties involved are, are, are content with Dak Prescott playing at a $31.4 million franchise tag for the 2020 season. And there's a lot of, I, I, I mean, I guess there's a lot of pros and cons for this. And, and please, if, if I'm missing out on something, 916-888-5898, that's the number you could connect with the show or Damien Barling at me.com. That's the email. All of the pros feel like they're in Dak Prescott's favor, while all of the cons feel like they're in the Dallas Cowboys' favor. Because there's a couple of things to... You know, there's a couple of things to take into account here. 31.4, that's a, that's a, I, th- I feel like that's a good, I, I think that's a good average number for Dak Prescott. I know people will disagree, 
But I feel like that's a good number for him. Now, I don't know if he wanted at least that through the annual value of the contract, or perhaps Dak Prescott and his team were looking at the contract of next year, perhaps another franchise tag, because Barr falling flat on his face, they've got to come to a long-term extension with him at some point. And if they don't, then they're going to wind up paying him a, a shade over $36 million next year. It's like, okay, over the stretch of two years, 67 plus million guaranteed. That's not bad. You take that every time. $36 million will put him, you know, up in, at, at, you know, in the top, probably at that point, four or five paid quarterbacks in the NFL. I mean, that's what the franchise tag does. It guarantees you uh, a top five spot in the NFL, it, it, a top five paid spot at your position. Which that feels like a win for Dak Prescott. Maybe I'm wrong, but it, that, that feels like it works. But for the Cowboys, you've got to look at this like, okay, what if he plays hardball next year? And now, what, what if he has an, a tremendous year? All right, let's, let's, let's go back to rookie season Dak Prescott. Let's say he's able to, 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 to account for more Ws. Let's say Ezekiel Elliott is playing good but not great. And the Dallas Cowboys are winning games. You've got to attribute a lot of that to what Dak Prescott is doing. Let's say his touchdown to interception ratio is phenomenal. Not gaudy. We're not talking Patrick Mahomes numbers, you know, from a couple of years ago. We're not talking 50 touchdowns, single-digit interceptions. I'm talking just a good where you look at your Ryan Tannehill numbers, where you go, man, this is this guy's playing phenomenal. He's doing a great job of, and I know this is this is a deadly phrase, but he's doing a great job of managing the game he's not making any mistakes that take the Cowboys out of games he's keeping the Cowboys in games and in, in, in maybe when their offense isn't playing well or maybe when their defense isn't playing well but if he does that and he gets another offer that he's not thrilled with and I mean absolutely ecstatic over why would he sign it because now you have the ability to sign next year's franchise tender which is even more than this year and then you put even more pressure on the Dallas Cowboys because that third franchise tag has never been touched before at the quarterback position just because of the, the, the amount of money that it is for one year. And if the Cowboys don't give you a deal that you absolutely love, you put them in a position where it's like, you're going to have to pay me this dollar figure for one year. And now you're talking about a three-year stretch where you've made over $100 million. Not pretend football money but real life, $100 million, $100 plus million. And I think by the time we get to that third franchise tender, it's just, trying to do math in my head, you know that's dangerous. It's probably a shade under $120 million for the three years, if I have the, if I have the, 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 fourth, the third year number correct. And if the Cowboys don't do that, they, Dak, Dak's gone. Sign anywhere he wants to. He's a free agent. Go do what he wants. I don't see a situation, I don't see any scenario in this deal not getting done with Dak Prescott that the Cowboys, you know, whoo, Cowboys dodged a bullet. I take that back. There's one scenario. Dak Prescott falls flat on his face this year. But does anybody believe that that's really going to happen? In fact, let's double up that question. If Dak Prescott falls flat on his face, one, do you believe that that's really a possibility? And I mean, when I say fall flat on his face, I mean that he's terrible. I'm talking a one-to-one -one interception to touchdown ratio. I'm talking Jameis Winston style without the 5,000 yards. 
What about that? Anybody believe that possible? And two, even if it is possible, and even if it does happen, do the Cowboys just go, oh, see, we knew it. We got to let him walk? Is one bad year from Dak Prescott enough to deter the Dallas Cowboys away from signing him again? Or, or not again, attempting to sign him? Is one bad year for um, Dak Prescott enough for the Cowboys to think, okay, he, he can't be our starting quarterback moving forward? I mean, and, and maybe let's throw a third question in there. Is Andy Dalton really, like, I mean, are you? Andy Dalton is a fine backup quarterback. Like, if something happens to Dak, if he gets injured, like, absolutely, he's significantly better than any backup quarterback that the Dallas Cowboys have had since Dak Prescott has taken over that roster. But are you are we are we really talking about Andy Dalton or Dak Prescott? Dude, that's pretty short sighted, in my opinion. And maybe you could steal a year out of Andy Dalton. But Dak Prescott's in his twenties, man. His mid twenties. We're talking about a long term future with Dak Prescott. You know who else took I don't know if the, I don't I don't know if Deshaun Watson was a loser in this situation, but this it's gotta be frustrating for for Deshaun Watson a little bit, or particularly Deshaun Watson's agent that Dak Prescott didn't get a deal because now I, I feel like there was a template maybe there with Dakota's deal. You know, because neither Dak Prescott or Deshaun Watson are Patrick Mahomes. And I don't think he, you know, they're certainly not gonna get ten year deals and twelve year deals and you know, they're not going to make the same types of headlines that that uh, Patrick Mahomes deal did, though I did speculate whether Deshaun Watson would get a deal that actually had a higher annual value than Patrick Mahomes for a shorter period of time. But without a Dak Prescott deal done, Deshaun Watson has to look at, I mean, he's got to look at Carson Wentz. He's got to look at Jared Goff. He's got to look at the total valuation of the respectively $128, $134 million. Of course, those aren't the guaranteed numbers, but those are you know, the reported forms of the deal. I think golf's was his average annual, uh, the, the average annual value of his contract was about 35. Um, so where was Dak? And where is Deshaun Watson? Because if, so what do we have? Jared Goff, 35. Right, and then go to Patrick Mahomes on the higher end through, through the duration. And I know there's a, a lot of problems with this, but let's work with what we have through the duration of the contract. It was forty million per year. Where do Dak and Deshaun fall in those between that the, the, those two barometers? Because I'd argue both of them are better than Jared Goff. Carson Wentz is a difficult one. Because I don't want to ignore the fact that Carson Wentz was the MVP of the league before he 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 got injured. Like he was going to win the MVP that that year. That's not it's not even a that's not even up for debate. Twelve weeks into the season, he was the MVP. And I I know there's a lot of talk about what Nick Foles did that, that year, and it should all absolutely be commended. But Carson Wentz put them in a position for Nick Foles to do what he did. I mean, they were this was this was the epitome of a team effort. If Carson Wentz hadn't done what he had done through the first 12 weeks of the season, Nick Foles wouldn't have even been in the position to do what he did uh, during that final stretch and into the playoffs and, of course, through the Super Bowl. So I don't want to undermine like the money that Carson Wentz earned that year. But is Dak better than Carson Wentz? 
is Deshaun Watson better than Carson Wentz? I'd argue Deshaun Watson is better than both of those quarterbacks. Dak Prescott, I'm not quite as sure. I think I think Dak Prescott is better than Jared Goff. And that might be a ah, that might be kind of a comparable comparison right there. Dak and Jared Goff. Cuz I think Carson Wentz may be just a a snap better than Dak. And then I think Deshaun's better than all three of them. So where do you where do you put like 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 now you're negotiating if you're Deshaun Watson's agent you're now negotiating you know using the example of contracts that are several years old you know you got to do the you know adjusting for cap inflation like what would you know what was the percentage of of golf's contract what was the percentage of the salary cap of golf's contract when he signed it four years ago and if you took that same percentage not the not the number. That he made, but if you just took the percentage of how much of his money from the salary cap, uh, or how much of the salary cap went to him, you do the same thing with Deshaun Watson and Dak Prescott. You know, you have a, a higher valuation of the contract if you just stick with the same percentages, because the because the because the salary cap goes up, which brings up another interesting point when it comes to both Deshaun Watson. And Dak Prescott. The salary cap usually goes up every year. So it makes it easier for player salaries to grow. It's why the next quarterback always makes the most money. It's not because the next quarterback is the best. It's because the next quarterback is negotiating under a different salary cap. It's why Aaron Rodgers goes from the highest paid quarterback in the NFL to the eighth highest paid quarterback in the NFL in a couple of years. It's not because Aaron Rodgers' skills declined. It's because the salary cap changed. But the topic worth discussing is, does the salary cap actually go up next year? Because as we are all aware of, we're in a bit of unprecedented times here. We're in uncharted waters, if you will. And the NFL is, as we outlined yesterday, they're not going to make as much money as they're used to. And with that inability to make money, or sorry, with that inability to make the same amount of money, how does that affect the salary cap? And maybe that's what the Cowboys are banking on. Maybe the Cowboys are banking on this in the, in, in the sense that, hey, maybe next year at this same exact time, the salary cap is going to be virtually exactly the same because no one's going to want the salary cap to go down. Not players and not owners. It affects both of them if the salary cap goes down. But if they can work something out in which the salary cap stays the same. And while I think there's more to talk about with, with, with Dak in this contract, this seems like a perfect way to point this out. Remember the NFL meetings we were talking about yesterday, the Players Association and, and, and the Board of Governors, they were meeting to discuss financial consequences of the pandemic to be absorbed by the salary cap from 2020, or f- excuse me, from 2022 through 2030. Uh, some owners, they don't want the consequences of uh, this pandemic to be absorbed by the cap over that length of period of time. They want it absorbed ser- sooner. Uh, according to Pro Football Talk, a leak source says, multiple owners participating in Monday's negotiation session with the NFLPA pushed for the losses due to the virus to be absorbed 
in the 2020 and 2021 season with salary givebacks applying this year and a reduced salary cap next year. Now, we've already talked about the potential reduction of salaries and how players are going to fight that kicking and screaming because that's just insane to reduce player salary when you don't have to, when you absolutely don't have to. Now, a lot of people, of course, this is a negotiation, right? So this is, this is posturing. The 2020, 2021 salary givebacks, all of that stuff, that's posturing by the owners. Um, I, don't, I don't even know that the owners want, I mean, obviously the owners would take it if the NFL players gave it to them, but they've got to know that the NFL players just aren't going to go, okay, here's our money back that you promised us. But there are going to be issues with the NFL and the NFLPA that are going to be completely unrelated to this collective bargaining agreement that they just signed. Obviously, today's players want this issue pushed into the future because it could likely avoid hitting their wallet. Whereas if they take the hit today, well, then it doesn't involve their wallet. But if you stretch it out, like think about the difference in, in, in the negotiation tactics here. The Players Association is pushing uh, for these losses to be absorbed over an eight-year stretch in which teams can slowly reduce their salary cap, which means they could still play their, pay their, pay their high-end players. Um, they, they don't have to worry about the players that are currently on their roster. And it's stretched out over an eight-year period. Whereas the owners are like, oh, well, let's just take the hit. Now, remember, the, the owners are the ones who wanted a 35% Pay cut. They were they were they were they were the group that wanted thirty five percent of players' salaries put into an escrow account in case something went wrong with the NFL season because of COVID nineteen. And it appears everything is going to go wrong in the NFL season because of COVID nineteen. Because these we are it's July sixteenth. All teams were supposed to be reported by July twenty eighth. What are the odds of that happening now? In a normal world, we would be. Three weeks away? Four weeks away. We'd be four weeks away from the Hall of Fame game. We would be knocking on the door of the NFL season. And in some regards, we still are. But does anyone think that they're going to be in camp in, in 12 days? I mean, I have my doubts. But how? But what happens? How the NFL and the NFL Players Association decide to distribute these losses over the course of the next two years versus over the course of the next eight years versus over the course of the next ten years? That has a direct effect on guys like Dak Prescott and Deshaun Watson. I mean, think about this: Dak Prescott has made four million dollars over the last four years. Is Dak Prescott better than Kirk Cousins? And I understand that this has to do with the deal that Dak was on. He was on his rookie deal. I understand this has to do with where Dak was drafted. But is he better than Kirk Cousins? Kirk Cousins made $97.9 million over that same time frame. Real money. Not pretend money. This is the actual money that he made. $97.9 million. Is Dak Prescott better than Matthew Stafford? Matthew Stafford made $96 million. Again, Dak Prescott over the last four years has made $4 million. Matt Stafford, $96.2 million over that same time frame. Joe Flacco. Dak Prescott's made $4 million over the last four years. Joe Flacco has made 76.8. Dak Prescott's better than all four of those quarterbacks, right? That's not even a conversation, is it? 
I mean, the closest comp is Kirk. Kirk Cousins. But, I mean, Matt Stafford, come on, man. Matt Stafford's been invisible for at least two and a half years. And Joe Flacco, give me a break. Dak Prescott was severely underpaid for four years. And part of this deal is there is very much a, hey, thank you for what you've done deal. That's why you often see those, uh, you know, if you, you you sign a contract, you'll, 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 if you read the different details of a contract, and, and I think this will be the case when every little detail about Derrick Henry's contract comes out. But he signed a deal. They said it was $25.5 million guaranteed. I think he's going to say a bulk of that over the first two years. And I think he's going to see a large percentage of that $25.2 million the second he signs that deal. So they'll have a check waiting for him as soon as he puts pen to paper or, you know, Apple Pencil to iPad, and they'll wire him over, I mean, $25.5 so maybe $10 million, because part of what that is is a signing bonus. Part of what that signing bonus is, hey, thanks for what you did to get us here to this point. And given the way that Dak has played through his rookie season, given the circumstances, let's not forget the circumstances in which Dak Prescott took over that team. Remember the Cowboys, you know, Jerry Jones, the day after drafting Dak Prescott, was talking about how he should have been more aggressive in his pursuit of Paxton Lynch. Now he was really ticked off that the Raiders jumped up and took Connor Cook. There were two quarterbacks that Jerry Jones wanted besides Dak Prescott. There were two quarterbacks that Jerry Jones was talking about the day after he drafted Dak Prescott. And how did it work out? Tony Romo gets hurt. Kellen Moore twists his ankle. Dak Prescott's going to come in and play in the preseason. Oh, look at that. Dak Prescott's playing pretty well in the preseason. By default, he gets the starting job. Here comes Dak Prescott. Oh, how's things going with Tony Romo? Well, he's healthy. Oh, Tony Romo's healthy. Oh, he's just not getting this job back. The Dallas Cowboys pushed Tony Romo into the broadcasting booth. And granted, that is a huge win for Tony Romo with a major assist from the Dallas Cowboys. It's worked out for everybody involved. But think about that. Kellen Moore's got a job out of it. Tony Romo became the highest paid announcer in all of the NFL. And here is Dak four years later like, hey, I did my part. I can't get paid. I don't know what the Cowboys' motivation in this is unless they just don't believe and Dak Prescott. The NBA tip line uh, has been a topic of conversation over the course of the last couple of days. Uh, Rudy Gobert said, I don't know if anyone's going to use it, but I think it's sort of petty. At the same time, you want to make sure people respect the rules. I was listening to Deuce and Mo yesterday, and you know Morgan was talking about you know the tip line and having the whole players accountable, and you know Deuce was vehemently against it. Like You can't be snitching out your teammates, but I kind of get this. I kind of get it because, you know, for this to work, it requires everybody to be damn near perfect. And if there are people who are blatantly breaking the rules, now, I don't know. I just see, here's, here's the thing that I'm not clear of. Like, I'm not clear. The NBA is a fraternity, right? It's, 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 I, I feel like this is a, you know, each of the hotels, it's like a summer camp. Like, they're all together. They know each other, and they talk to each other, and they... Some of them see each other regularly. Some of them only see each other when they come to the respective person's town. But they all are aware of each other. 
I feel like there's a there are situations where, and I don't know, like if you call the tip line, what you're calling about? Are you calling because Anthony Davis wasn't wearing his mask? Are you calling because what? Like I did, I don't believe for a second that anyone can sneak into that into that bubble, metaphorical bubble. I don't believe like there are all these jokes about you know players calling women and different things like that. I don't see any way that a, a booty call is getting past NBA security. None at all. Absolutely none. I've been in a secure NBA hotel. There is no chance it's happening. So I don't know what they're like. What, what like in, in, you know, Shams reported, of course, which got everybody telling the Chris Paul jokes is that people were using the tip line. But like what was being said? That's that's just what I'm. Hey, uh, Harry Giles is standing too close to somebody. I don't I don't know who. I heard Harry Giles is a really big fan of the new Duke women's basketball coach. By the way, I found out that piece of information a couple of nights ago. I and, and it and it took me a minute to figure out why, because I forgot. <laughs> I forgot that I, I was trying to visualize Harry Giles in a Duke uniform. And I'm not sure it's a sight that I saw. Like, I kept trying to visualize it. What does Harry look like in a Duke uniform? Oh, he's a Duke guy. Uh, and he's a big fan of their new women's college basketball coach. But what do you, like, are you calling and telling him, like, hey, hey, uh, Harry's talking to one of the Celtics assistants. They're standing a little too close. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Hey, you, can, you, can you send someone to check on this? What is even being said on the tip line? Hey, Donovan Mitchell got some ass coming. Be on the lookout for stilettos. What? You see Mo Bamba's tweet calling out. Didn't he? He said some, some, some chick said my NBA man is already trying to get me to the bubble or something like that. And Mo Bamba tweeted that Donovan Mitchell is wilding out already. It was like, whew, that was a, that was a ballsy tweet. Like, okay, bro, I see you. I don't know that that was the sound of strategy, but like, all right. I don't know, man. I don't know. I don't know what, like, I don't know what violations you're calling in. Mike Conley says, uh, quote, at this point, I think we've all been through meetings, each team individually, about the coronavirus and understanding the importance of practicing social distancing and wearing a mask and all those things. So at this point, we've got to trust each other. We've got to trust the other teams, the other players. Uh, we know our guys are going to do the right thing and kind of just trust the process that came from Mike Conley. I don't know. It's been a fun topic of conversation over the course of the last couple of days. Uh, what has not been a fun topic of conversation is the WWE and Monday Night Raw. They scored their lowest rating in modern history this past Monday with uh, averaging just about 1.56 million viewers. One and a half million viewers over the course of their three-hour show this past Monday. For context purposes, the highest-rated segment in Raw history, I believe it was this, like, random six-man tag match that had Stone Cold Steve Austin, The Rock, and The Undertaker on one side. And then I feel like it was maybe Vince and Shane McMahon, maybe Triple H were on the other side. But it was it was it's kind of a random 
it's it's just kind of a random moment. There were over eight million people watching that particular segment. Raw in the Attitude Era used to average between four and a half to six and a half million, depending on the year of the Attitude Era. Four and a half to six and a half million viewers per week. And this past Monday, they they averaged through the length of the show, one point five. Man, I do not know what show in entertainment loses that percentage of their audience and is still on the air. And I know part of it is, a large part of it is, you know, the global pandemic, COVID-19. Like, I, I get it. But, man, that is rough. One and a half million viewers uh, for Monday Night Raw this past week. A couple quick follow-ups. Uh, Miles Garrett, we touched on his contract yesterday. The potential $100 million in total guarantees is the most ever paid to a defensive player, according to league sources. It's going to be $50 million guaranteed at signing. Uh, the way the contract is structured, he will still best uh, Khalil Mack as the highest paid defensive player in NFL history and the highest paid annual salary for a defensive player. It'll be about $25 million, as we noted yesterday. Uh, Khalil Mack is 23 with guaranteed money in the $90 million range. Miles Garrett now in the $100 million range. Uh, another follow-up, this one to Elena Deladon. She was very vocal uh, over the course of the last couple of days, first in a Players Tribune article, uh, then in an appearance on SportsCenter uh, with L. Duncan. And I was concerned about how that appearance was going to go. I was concerned about how this story was going to go because there are so many people saying, oh, you know, poor Elena Deladon, she has to, you know, do what, you know, other Americans have to do in terms of going to work and, and battling the virus and doing all those sorts of those different things. She revealed that she takes 64 pills a day uh, because of this Lyme disease. And she, like, her immune system has been weakened for, like, I remember the first time she got sick. Like, it was, it was a huge story in college basketball. And it, and I take that back. That wasn't the first time that she had been sick. It was the first time she had been sick where she was in the public forum like this. Uh, anyways, I've made what should be a short story way too long already. Uh, the Mystics are going to pay her. And according to Mike Tebow, uh, and I know the Mystics organization pretty well, uh, according to Mike Tebow, who is both the general manager and the head coach, he said we were always going to pay her, uh, but we're not allowed to announce those things publicly. It was up to her. Uh, and they announced it, uh, but they announced it with kind of this um, venom of, of their being forced to do something. Now, that's a creates an interesting situation where Mike has to, you know, can can a team go against what the league says? Like if the league says, well, you didn't, you know, you don't meet the criteria of a high risk person, so you can't get paid. Can the team go? Huh? This is BS. She can get paid. We're going to pay her, and we're going to send her home so nothing happens to her. Uh, here's Elena Deladon. Um, shock. I mean, for nine years now, I've been dealing with Lyme disease and other co-infections that have destroyed my immune system, and I've been immune compromised for years. So um, when COVID has come around and I saw that if you're immunocompromised, you have to be 
super careful. I've, I've been that, and um, I went through the process with the league of submitting all my information. My doctor, who's been treating me for nine years, um, submitted a letter basically saying this isn't safe for her. So when I got the call that I was denied, I just was completely shocked. I didn't really, I didn't understand and um, now it's almost like I'm asked to ignore the one doctor that heard me and has been treating me and is enabling me to kind of live a normal life with the protocol and the treatment he's had me on for years. You never, ever, 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 ever listen to the team doctor. You always go to your own and you let the two battle it out. Obviously, she is frustrated there. This was done earlier in the day. The Washington Mystics, again, have said uh, she is going to get paid. She's going to accrue a year. Uh, she's also coming off of back surgery, so she's going to be rehabbing. Uh, there are some things they've got to figure out as it pertains to that, but that uh, situation is getting dealt with. The WNBA, the last thing that they need, for God's sakes, is bad PR. Uh, and whether, however you feel about this Elena Deladon situation, whether you feel like, oh, she's just like everybody else, she has to go to work, we all have to risk it. Well, she is at a significantly great risk of 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 uh, being like if her immune system is compromised with the virus i don't think she's at a greater uh i, I don't think she has a greater capa- capability of like catching the virus but i think if she does the reaction to it would be significantly worse uh, than it is for many 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 others i appreciate you for tuning in here on this thursday as we roll along another week uh here on the be heard podcast platform uh the j street vibes podcast with jason jones and kenny caraway a new episode is available for you right now make sure you check that out of course deuce and mo they post uh monday through thursday each and every single week so as you wrap up here just uh flip over and if you haven't subscribed to those podcasts please do Search Be Heard uh, in your favorite podcast platform and all five of our podcasts come up. Uh, Subscribe, rate and review. Take a listen. A new episode of The Dope Ones will drop later on this afternoon. And while you're at it, head over to thedopeones.com and check out uh, our collection there with the more than a podcast T-shirts, our Be Heard T-shirts. Check out all of the different collections and make sure you use the promo code 720. There's a link right here in the description of this podcast. Uh, Make sure you use the promo code 720 S E V E N two zero to get 20% off of your order. And of course, if you want more content, go to patreon.com slash Damien Barling. I dropped a brand new episode of Be Conscious for you yesterday. So go check out the different tiers uh, that we got over there at patreon.com slash Damien Barling. Have a great rest of your day. And we'll be back here tomorrow on the podcast.